my sponsor today, Bob B. out of St. Paul, Minnesota, he says, I'm the pipe, not the well. And so this second awakening is that suddenly I realize this is not me again. I'm just this pipe. And I think the biggest key for me in the awakening is, is my awareness of life today. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. That was the voice of my friend, Mr. Cliff G, that you heard at the beginning of this here episode number 306. And you are going to hear so much more from Cliff and Un Momento. But first things first, this here episode, episode number 306, is brought to you by Oleg and Sean and Lou and Idaliza and Anonymous and Audrey and Mary Lynn and Laura. What you may ask. Did those fine people do, those aforementioned people do, to deserve such a mention on the podcast here, episode number 306? Well, they went to our website, www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab, and guess what? They made a contribution, so thank you so much. Oleg and Sean and Lou and Idaliza and Anonymous and Audrey and Mary Lynn and Laura. This here episode is coming right out to Ewan's. So I'm kind of looking down at my laptop while I'm uh, recording this. Uh, I won't give you the whole set. So the mic hangs over the laptop and I'm looking straight down at it. And uh, on my laptop, I have a couple of different okay so i've been going through a little bit of a tough time lately and you know we're all going through tough times at, at some point right and i'm not saying i'm anything special or my tough time is anything worse or uh, than anyone else's i'm just i've been going through uh some intense emotions i'll put it that way and my uh, daughter went out to the store the other day i see it's a store i think it's like <laughs> one of these <laughs> forgive me for saying this for those of you who are going to know what I'm talking about like a hippy dippy type of store and anyway she bought me two crystals uh, now 
I call them rocks, but I think in the stores they call them crystals. But one of these rocks or crystals is a big black one. And my daughter explained to me what it does. By the way, uh, I want to say that she uh, advised that I put it on another laptop that I have. I'll, I'll put it that way to protect me from the energy coming through that laptop. But it was just here on my desk. So, uh, And so this black a crystal is supposed to protect me from any sort of negative energy. And then the, the white, and the white one's a smaller one. It, it, it I say white, I don't know. It's kind of opaque looking. I, I don't even know what the color is, but this one is supposed to uh, bring out good vibes. So maybe I should have this one. I'm going to do that right now. This one off to the side. So when I get, uh, actually, I should bring this. Oh, gosh, I'm so confused on what to do with these now. Uh, you guys don't have any bad energy for me at all. So anyway, I'm just going to put both of them to the side now because I'm, I'm all caught up in that. But that's what I have in front of me. Um, I just got back from uh, a meeting. And our friend uh, Audrey actually chaired the meeting. And, and some of people are going to know uh, about about this meeting, who will be listening to this. It was at the Frisco Fourth Dimension group that we have on Saturday here. And uh, in fact, my friend Ricky was there and he brought in a gentleman. Oh gosh, I cannot remember his last name, but really enjoyed meeting him. He's from a small town in Texas. Uh, and uh, it was, it was just, it was so good to meet him. But anyway, Audrey, uh, uh, brought up the term, brought up the, uh, subject of emotional sobriety and i and what came to mind for me and and i don't know why it's been years since i've done this but has anyone ever done um fasting uh and when i say fasting fasting for when i've done fasting in the past it has been for spiritual uh, reasons if you will um it, uh, on a spiritual quest on a spiritual journey and whenever I have been on a fast, the idea, at least it was for me at the time, is that when you get hunger pangs, those pangs will direct me and make me think of the God of my understanding and, and, and like I said, direct me toward him and make me think of him. There are people who use this kind of method. Some people, when they get to a stoplight or whatever, they pray to God. Some people, uh, when they see a dead animal on the road or whatever, they pray to God. And it's the same sort of idea, but it's pretty consistent when you're in a fasting period. And what I've been trying to do lately is not the fasting, but I've been trying to adjust to where when these emotional sort of challenges come my way and my mind goes a little bit crazy and I start thinking about these things. I try to use that as a, a prompt to move back toward the God of my understanding because the answer, from my perspective at least, is always more God, less me. When I'm thinking about me and what's going on with me and how things are affecting me, um, I have a tendency to not do so well. But when I can use that thought process to move back toward God, um, it helps me. And so anyway, that's what I've been trying to do lately. I don't know why that just came to my mind uh, after that meeting. But nonetheless, let's get on to our featured speaker of 
the week. His name is Mr. Cliff G from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. But in this particular recording, uh, we were uh, recording him at his getaway home in South Dakota. We're calling this episode, I am the pipe, not the well. The main theme of our discussion was uh, awakenings in several different forms. As Cliff says, the greater, the greatest adventure is this awakening that we have in sobriety. One of my favorite phrases Cliff uses is hearing, uh, or, or I hear Cliff using, is when he says he started to hear the quote, the music of Alcoholics Anonymous. Unquote. I love that. Hearing the music of AA. I so much understand that. As Cliff says during the episode, living life backwards and stating that it's someone else's fault is not the way to do it. And we all get caught up in that trap. Uh, Cliff paraphrases an Al-Anon speaker in this episode by saying, uh, AA is not my whole life, but AA makes my life whole. Cliff, Cliff, and this is one of my favorite parts, Cliff addresses the time he got what he calls over sober, <laughs> and he became an, an AA sheriff. Uh, we talk about the shopping cart people and what that means, the metaphor of the two monks that Cliff brings up, uh, how he grows spiritually as a bankruptcy lawyer and contemplative meditation and much, much more. Friends, please enjoy Mr. Cliff G and we will have plenty. Oh, Listener feedback. Yeah, we have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this one, so be too, be sure to stay tuned. Enjoy, Cliff. Okay, everybody, so today we're sitting here again with the one and only Mr. Cliff with 1FG. So, Cliff, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and to introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and then we'll kind of take it from there. You bet, John. Hey, everybody. I'm Cliff Gooding. I'm a grateful alcoholic. My sober date's August the 15th of 2001. And for that short amount of time, I'm as grateful as I know how to be. And coming to you, not from Oklahoma City today, but Spearfish, South Dakota. Yeah. So I was going to ask, so obviously uh, last time we had Cliff on and we've had the, the other, the better half, we should say. uh, Better three quarters. Yeah. (laughs) Lori G on in the past as well. And, uh, Lori G is his, uh, is his spouse. And usually you're sitting in all, every time I've recorded either you or Lori, you're sitting in Oklahoma city, but which is your home, but tell us what yes. you're doing up there in, uh, South Dakota. A couple of years ago, Lori and I, well, maybe about three years ago, Lori and I were just looking at doing something different. We bought a, <clears throat> we bought a home in Spearfish, South Dakota, which is in the uh, western part. It's the top of the Black Hills in the western part of South Dakota. It's beautiful over here. So we try to get up here over the course of a year, a couple of months. What's the elevation weeks like a quarter. up there? Uh, it's about 4,500, something like that. Uh, not too bad. Okay. No, it's not too bad, but it's a little elevation. And so when you're not there, do you rent out the place? Yeah. VRBO. Yep. Gotcha. I may have yep. to talk to you about that. We, yeah, yeah. Well, it's only about, uh, here's the real deal. It's only about, uh, 12 miles from Sturgis. So here in a couple of months, you, you can't find a room anywhere for like, uh, a hundred miles sometimes. So 
it gets uh, it gets some good traction then. I bet, I bet. So, yeah. all right. So you're up there in South Dakota, I guess now. And and Lori, I think you said she's out speaking at a conference right now, right? She's in, yeah. She's down in Florida at a conference with uh, Polly and uh, Cindy M and a bunch of the gals around the country at a at a uh, AA Woodstock. She's there, Al-Anon speaker this weekend, doing some stuff with Polly on sponsorship, steps two and three. So she's having a great time in Naples, Florida this weekend. Cindy M, I just, uh, uh, I just happened, Cindy with a Y, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I just happened to record From Kentucky. Her. Yeah, yeah. I recorded her like about three weeks ago. I, I haven't got the episode out yet, but I'm really, it was really fun being with her. She she's is, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she is wonderful, man. And so I'm in South Dakota, and we got uh, I got uh, seven people arriving later today. Four great members of AA are coming up here with three little kids, and so they're going to spend the week. And one of the best things about being here and being sober is all that is I get to share where Lori and I get to share this with everybody, all of our friends. So it's wonderful, Johnny. You're more than welcome. Oh, you're very kind. You're very kind. Yeah, you bet. So last time we got together, I just want to remind everybody, we were on, it's episode number 283. And I, you know, I can't even remember. I'm going to ask you again, if I asked you the first time, why is there just one F on your name? Was that a mistake (laughs) or what? No, no, no. It's uh, it's, it's Clifton, C-L-I-F-T-O-N versus Clifford, C-L-I-F-F-O-R-D. So Clifton is with one F, or at least that's the way we spelled it. So one F. Gotcha. Do you run across many cliffs with one F? No, I've never run across any others. I am unique in that regard, (laughs) (laughs) as well as being uniquely useful. Uh, There you go. But I I answer to either one. If it's either you call me Cliff of two Fs, I still answer to that. Um, but we, last time we got together, it was for those of you who want to go back and listen to that again, or listen to it for the first time, it's episode number 283 and it was called Cliff G. And I loved the title of this. It's called moment of grace when God cracked my heart. And I want to go through your whole story again. We got some other things we want to talk about, but sure, will sure. you talk about that moment one more time? Because it, it, it just really resonated with me. Yeah. It's a, you know, and, and I think uh, all of us have those moments. It's a, uh, the book describes it as a moment of clarity, but you know, I'm sitting in an AA meeting and uh, I don't want I, you know, I, I came to AA not to get sober. That what drinking was not my problem. My problem was homelessness. Lori had kicked me out again and I'm coming to AA with a newcomer plan. And I I drank and she kicked me out again. And August 15th, I'm sitting in AA. And all I think about is how do I drink and how do I stay sober? Because I'm I'm in the throes of the obsession. I mean, I'm just, how do I drink? How do I stay sober? I'm restless, irritable, discontent. Four horsemen are showing up in spades. And, And in that moment, about five minutes left in that meeting, all that, chatter in my head just went quiet and a new thought broke through. And the thought was this, if you don't do something different today, you're going to die. And uh, in that moment, when that voice, something different said to me, which I would have told you, uh, I would not have known that where that thought comes from. I know today that was the voice of God talking to me. Um, But in that moment, what happened for me is it's a moment when God did crack my heart 
and I got to see myself for exactly who and what I was. You know, the moment where you stand in the crevice and the light comes in just for a moment and you see yourself. And, you know, it's like it's like being outside at night and the moon's full and you look around, you see the light and you're looking and it's just light. And then you look up and see the moon. And once you see the moon, it's an instant you see it. But you could look for a long time, but until you see the moon, you don't see it. And in an instant, it's there. And that's what it was like. It's like looking my whole life, not really know what I'm looking for. But in the instant it was cracked, I saw it. And once you see that, you know, it's that moment of grace. It's just a moment of grace. And, you know, the old man caught me after the meeting and he began to share with me the music of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, that was uh, almost 22 years ago. Uh, and it's been an incredible journey. The, incredible journey. The music of Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, God, yes. I love that. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to, before we started, as you know, we were just kind of catching up, you know, seeing how we've been yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And you, and I was asking about South Dakota, what was going on yeah, there. Yeah. And you, and you started to tell me a story and, and I, I stopped you cause I like to hear these things for the first time, um, when we're recording. Uh, and, and so why don't you go ahead and tell me that story? I think you were out riding your bike this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I was getting ready to go. Yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest things in Alcoholics Anonymous, step 12 promises us the greatest promise we can have is that we're going to have an awakening as the results of the steps. And I think that is so critical for us is to have this awakening. But the real trick here, I believe, in order for me to stay here is that I have to stay awake. I have to continue to pay attention. I have to continue to be aware. So this morning, I get up and I go out on my balcony looking at the hills and I'm I'm doing my prayer meditations. I've decided to do a bike ride. I'm going to go about an hour ride, get out and go. And so uh, Lori and I brought our bikes up uh, on this trip and so we would have them up here. And so I get all ready and I take it out. I get ready. I go down and get my bike all ready to go, get it down to the street to get on to take off. And I notice that my handlebars, I think they've slipped. I think somewhere in the trip, my handlebars have slipped down because like the brakes, I have to use my thumb and the gear shifts, I have to use my fingers. It's, it's all backwards, it's just totally backwards. And so I get on my bike because I can't really figure out, I think, well, let me figure this out. And so I take off riding and uh, there's all these people on the street because they're having like a community garage sale here today. And so there's all these people and I'm, I'm trying to figure this bike deal out and I can't stop because my gosh, what would these people think about me if I stopped and tried to figure this out? So I'm just going to power through it. So I finally got down to where there was nobody because you got to look good no matter what. <laughs> and so I get down to try to figure out what's wrong with my bike. And I mean, I'm looking at it and I think the handlebars are slipped or, you know, something's, something's happened to the bike. I was, when I hauled it up here, something happened. I'm looking on and I'm like five, six minutes looking and and in that moment, I looked at the bike and then I saw it, that the wheel and the, the whole steering system had just turned around. And so the wheel was backwards, you know, because I spun the wheel around. And so everything, of course, was backwards. And so then I turned the wheel around and everything was right again. And I thought to myself as I got on my bike and I started riding was this was my whole life come, before coming to Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. 
that I've that I've tried to live my whole life backwards, that I've tried to power through, that it's always somebody else's fault. That it's the it's the wind, it's the bike rack, it's them, it's him, it's her. If they just leave me alone, my life would be better. But when I can stop and see it, it's like the day of that meeting when God cracked my heart. You can see. And I looked at that and I turned the wheel around and everything got easier. Everything got easier. And I got on my bike and I went on this about an hour long ride before I came in to do this with you. And I was thinking of that is, you know, we come here for our drinking, but the thing, it never, it never goes away. I look at that bike and think it's somebody else's fault. It's something else has happened. Rather than taking a look at it and saying, oh, the, the wheels just spun around. You've spun it around and trying to get it down. And once you straighten the wheel out, turn it around, it'll be okay. And I still look at life sometimes that way. I still look at life as if they'll just be, if they'll just leave me alone, if they'll just do what I want them to do. You know, so we, we talk about the greatest adventure in Alcoholics Anonymous is this awakening. And, and the real trick is to once you're awake, to stay awake. I'm able to get these messages from my power today. Still reminders that, you know, I still suffer from alcoholism, not alcoholism, that I, I don't have it noted up, that I still, I still have moments where I try to blame other people, that I still want, don't want to look at me, that uh, I, don't want to, I don't want to look bad in front of other people when it was truth is, gosh, it's just a mistake. And without mistakes, I never have the opportunity to get things right. So I had this awakening this morning on my bicycle. That's how God works in my life. He lets me know that, gosh, there's still there's always still room to grow. There's always still room for improvement. There's always still room for me to you know, look at my life and laugh at it. I think that's one of the greatest things that life has given me is that I've the ability to laugh at my own self, you know, to look at the things and go, well, yeah, I still I still need to be here. I still need help. So I yeah. had a, it was just a great experience. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You know, I I have uh, this uh, consistent um, kind of example with my wife. We have a, a remote uh, for the TV that we keep in our bedroom, and every single time that thing ends up missing, I think to myself, "Where did she put it?" And over half the time, it's usually me who put it somewhere. And uh, it, it's just funny how our minds work. We go right to somebody else. Yeah. She's hid it from me. It's <laughs> obvious to me that she has hid this from me once again. But, you know, that that's the story of my life. You know, when I came to AA, my sponsor, Don, the guy that uh, who, you know, played the music of AA for me by sharing his story with me, you know, you have that moment of clarity and, and suddenly you say, you know, I, I'll do whatever. You know, Don crawled through the window that day and brought me that, started to play the music about Alcoholics Anonymous. And he said something to me. He began to talk about service work. And there's two things wrong with service work when you're new in Alcoholics Anonymous. The first thing wrong with it is service. And the second thing wrong with it is work. Uh, <laughs> because none of those seem attractive to me when I give you <laughs> But but Don got me into that, and he early on, and I think getting me into the steps and getting me out to helping people put me on this path to where, you know, I got to experience life. You know, that's what it was today on my bike ride. I got to, I got to take in all the beauty. I was present in the moment. I got to see everything. And I think that's what, I think that's what I was supposed to be doing, having this awakening where I'm just not, um, uh, that I'm living life today. 
What a beautiful thing that is. And, you know, you look back at the early piece of Alcoholics Anonymous when Don, you know, got me doing, uh, not just sitting around thinking, he got me doing. And uh, by doing that and putting me in service work, you know, what I got to do is I began to live life. My friend Kathy H., who's a great member of the Al-Anon family group out of Ohio, she says this about Al-Anon, but I, but I take it in my life in Alcoholics Anonymous. She says, uh, Al-Anon is not my whole life, but because of Al-Anon, my life is whole. Mm-hmm. And, and that's true for me in Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous is not my whole life. Because I can come and enjoy the day and be back in the stream of life, you know, whether that's on a bike ride today or whether that's interchange with people that are not in Alcoholics Anonymous at my job, whatever. Because of Alcoholics Anonymous, my life is whole, that I have all those pieces of the puzzle put together, that I'm back in the stream. And I think early on, you know, the textbook talks about that much more important demonstration of our principles lie before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. And because of that, Alcoholics Anonymous has allowed me to have that kind of life, a full life. Gosh, what a blessing that is, brother. So a couple things here. Uh, I, by the way, I, I love that quote from Kathy's. As she said, Al-Anon, but you apply it to you, AA is not my whole life, but because of AA, my life is whole. Uh, I love that. Um, And I I also wanted to ask you, (laughs) this is like came up to me when I was thinking about his recording last night is that, and I'm turning corners on you here a little bit, but I, you know, it's just how I am. Uh, (laughs) Last time I was spoken, I was speaking to Lori. She said something about there was a period in your early sobriety where you had become what she called the sheriff of AA. Oh, yeah. 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 Over sober. That's what I like to think of it as. But yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I can become so enlightened that I'm just godly. I mean, that's really, I quit, <clears throat> I quit sharing my experience. I started telling people what to do. And, you know, Chuck C talked about a new pair of glasses. We, we don't, uh, we don't tell we share. And uh, I got to where I was telling and uh, just, you know, and I was a great disunifier in AA. I mean, a great disunifier. I'd talk bad about your group. I'd talk bad about you. They're not doing it right over there. If you came to a meeting and you talked about the nightly review being part of step 10, my God, I would chase you down after the meeting <laughs> and I would tell you how you're killing people because you're not <laughs> telling them, you know, you're misquoting the book and people believe. Anyway, it was just, it was an you know, and the crazy part about that, John, is I think I'm doing good. Yeah. That's the that's the delusion. If you don't stay awake, I mean, that's a guy that's kind of on his way to going back to sleep because I believe in my own stuff. I mean, I'm reading my own press. You know, people are paying paying me to get on an airplane a couple times a year, and I think I'm somebody. And uh, you know, I came through that period of time. It was Lori kicked me out of the house again. I mean, I'm I'm nine years sober. I uh, has have just finished chairing our area conference. I'm the air, alternate area chair. I mean, I am making a name for myself in an anonymous program. I mean, I'm somebody, <laughs> and and that alone should tell you how sick I was right there. I mean, anybody here wants to be the head sick, uh, and so um, she sat me down one day and she said, "I don't know you. I mean, you're 
you're physically sober, but you're not spiritually sober. You're not most sober and you got to go. And at nine years of sobriety, I got asked to leave my house again. It was devastating, but I did not, uh, I did not uh, argue with her, which was the blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had learned enough in Alcoholics Anonymous. If somebody says to you, Hey, you got a problem to look at that. And uh, I went and I stayed at a guy's house for not three months. And I remember talking to my sponsor that day when she kicked me out. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you. And maybe it's happened to some of the listeners. You ever said something to your sponsor and think, maybe if I just change the subject and go on, he won't even recognize it. Just, <laughs> just go right on. But I said to him, you know, Don, I got to get back to basics. And it's like God took a little silver hammer and just, and I thought, what else do we have here? It's all basics. I mean, all we have is trust God, clean house, help others. But in my own mind, I had, you know, created this delusion of, I mean, you know, my whole life I've had this delusion that I have this Jim Morrison lifestyle. You know, it's such a delusion. Really, I'm Eddie Munster, but I believe in my mind, you know. And so I'm back into that fantasy again, that delusion. And I mean, just talk about being right-sized again. But, you know, I I believe there's a lot of people who are passionate about AA that go through something like that. And the trick here is to survive it, is to survive yourself without drinking, you know, have have some wreckage in the present moment, not drink and have grace again. You know, have somebody, grace, come to you again, crawl through the window and say, look, goofball, you're just off, you're off track again. And I'm grateful that happened to me. You know, I'm grateful. I went to stay with a guy who eventually became the delegate from Oklahoma and a guy I'd known for a long time. And he, he just fed me every night. He would feed me AA. And I just, I just got back to me, this relationship with God. That's a direct result. I believe of me not paying attention to the language of the heart. That's, that's me starting to get back to me and not to God. And I think you get one degree off here. I think it doesn't take much here to get us on a path away from God. Because I think every decision I make in alcohol today, every decision I make either takes me closer to the drink or closer to God. I mean, every decision I make here has one or two paths for me. And I'm grateful that, you know, on that day that Lori had the courage, quite frankly, I don't know. She just had the courage to say, I'm going to have a sober house, not necessarily physically sober, spiritually sober, emotionally sober. You know, I, I, I have the, I think alcoholics have the use, particularly male alcoholics. We have this uh, uncanny ability to find the best women, people who just love us and uh, can see us for who we are and love us in spite of that. And my gosh, she, she, she did. And she does. And, uh, and because of that, you know, I had an opportunity to stay in AA because I could have just said, screw this. Nobody, this is not worth it and leave. And I've watched people do that here after I got clear headed back. Oh, you know, got over my over sober period. Godly, <laughs> got so godly. And I've watched other people come behind me and do that and leave AA, get frustrated and just leave. So I feel so blessed that that didn't happen to me. Yeah, I've seen that as well. And that's why I think it's important to talk about. You know, I wish I had 
Oh gosh, so many of my actions back during those first 10 years, especially. Uh, and, you know, it's important for people who have some time, like yourself, to say, hey, listen, this is not all a bunch of roses and lollipops and whatever the case may be. There's some tough times along the way. And it gives, yeah. and, and, and it gives us a chance to lean in closer to the God of our understanding and to lean in closer to those around us. That, that's exactly right. Bob Bob D out in Las Vegas talks about this, and he and I've talked about this. This idea of this second surrender, you know, running into troubles in AA. But Bill told us that. I mean, early on, why it's so important for us to to grow, to perfect and enlarge our spiritual life. Why certain trials and low spots? I mean, they're inevitable, and I have to get in some spiritually fit condition and be connected to do that. So I'm grateful to have survived that. And you know, because of that, I'm able to have moments like today. That's the deal. Today, I can laugh at myself. You know, there's a time when something like that happens. I got to call suicide hotline. <laughs> I mean, I just, I can't get over myself. I'll beat myself up for three days thinking, who saw me? My God, it's so embarrassing. Today, I just laugh at myself. You're a goofball. Let's go enjoy the ride. <laughs> and I think that's a big piece of it yeah. today. Laugh at yourself and just enjoy the ride. Because it's a, it's a whole bounty to get here. Speaking of second surrender, that just reminded me of, uh, we have an episode called second surrender and it's with, uh, Mr. Charlie P. Uh, mm. and, uh, as you know, uh, he oh, man. is not with us anymore. And, uh, it just, you know, he just had so many cool things that he said. Did, did you, did you know Charlie very well? Had you been in many conferences? I, I, I did. As a matter of fact, last August, Lori and I, Charlie and Katie, <clears throat> Steve L out of, out of Nashville, we all did a conference down in Florida at uh, Boca Raton called Chapters. And uh, we all were together on the program and Charlie and I got to spend some time together and knew he had his diagnosis then. And, but he was a fighter. He was optimistic. He kept saying, we're yeah, going to go to the end. And, but he and I would talk about every two or three weeks from that August up until about the last two or three weeks of his life. He and I were big shopping cart people. We, you know, we had this fundamental belief that we had this obligation to go herd shopping carts. Because I was a guy that would leave <laughs> shopping carts just wherever I found them, push them wherever. Charlie was that way too. So we had this, we had this deal. We would send memes to each other periodically or take snapshots of shopping carts gone wild in the parking lot. And we had to corral them. So he and I had some, Great times together, and he'll be sorely missed in Alcoholics Anonymous. But the great part of that is we have a legacy of recordings of Charlie, Katie. We have a, a legacy that he's left us. Hmm. And how important is that, you know, that we have access to that kind of our history? We've got our history recorded. So, yeah, I love Charlie P, and uh, he'll be sorely missed, brother. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back a little bit to the awakening piece. Um, I'm trying to, I, I, I'm thinking about it in terms of tying it to whatever step you want. Uh, two and three kind of comes up for me. Yeah. What is your thought in terms of uh, uh, an awakening? What kind of step it relates to? Well, I think, I think there's some, you know, I think our awakening begins at step one. The recognition that, my gosh, something's, Something's uh, something is up uh, when we get that moment of clarity, cro the cracking of the heart, the recognition that the light comes through. And I think our commitment that we make in step three, recognition that there is some kind of power, you know, the hope that we get in step two, that I hope this can work for me. 
whatever's working for this bunch of drunks. I hope this can work for me. And the commitment we make in step three, the decision we make, it gets really, uh, we see how, how great that commitment really is when we get to 10 and 11 and 12, I believe. Because in, you know, it's like uh, two monks walking down the path and uh, they come across a stream and there's a lady at the stream and she can't figure out how to get it across. And so they have this, uh, you know, vow that monks, they don't touch women, but he goes down and one of the monks goes down and picks up the woman and carries her across the stream and sets her down. So she's able to get across. She comes across, he comes back and the two monks, they continue their journey. And as they continue the journey, they walk in silence. And finally, the afternoon comes, maybe four or five hours pass since the stream incident. And the second monk looks at the first one. He says, I just can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. You know, we're not supposed to have any contact with women. But you you had a contact with that woman. You carried her across the stream. He's, and the first monk looks at him. He said, I carried her across the stream. You've been carrying her all day. Mm. And I think about that as... You know, we can carry these things with us if we, what's our commitment in three to really trust God? What is our commitment? And we find that out in 10. We find that out when I get a resentment and begin to something boils on me, I get selfish. And, you know, I can be walking down the street and I see you and I'm in a hurry and you're in a hurry and I'm headed to court, and I see you, and you, you're walking by, and you say, hey, Cliff, nice tie, and you keep going. Well, in my head, what happens is it says, what did John mean by that, nice tie? And in my head, I think you're giving me some kind of diss about my tie. And so for the next five to six days, I plot your death in my head. I mean, I'm twisted up. I'm carrying that, chewing on that resentment. And I work out 842 scenarios <laughs> about the next time I see you, how this is all going to play out. Right. And so I'm just, I'm eating it up. I'm carrying it with me. And then I finally see you again and I'm ready. I mean, I'm ready. And you come up to me and you say, hey, Cliff, I'm sorry. I was in a hurry the day. You know, my brother, he always loves your ties. And I want to know where you, that was especially great one the other day. And I want to know where you got that because I want to get that for him. Well, none of my 872 scenarios are prepared for that. You know, (laughs) I'm prepared for just dealing death on you and I'm not prepared. So I create problems where none exist. And I'll carry that. So, and, and that relates to either God is everything or is nothing. Am I going to allow God to be in charge of my life? Am I going to, you say about the tie, I have a couple of choices about that. Is that I can tell the, the brain, the alcoholic part of my brain that wants to destroy me, that wants to keep me in these brainstorms. In step 10, I can look at that and say, you know what? What difference does it make? rather than carrying it all day. And that really has to do with the commitments I make way back when the decision, either God is everything or is nothing. What's my choice to be? And I can be like the monk and I can help the lady across and be done with it. Or I can be like the second monk and I can carry it all day long. And I don't have to do that. Awakenings allow me to see me where I am. You know, step 10 talks to us about paying attention. Watch. I got to watch. And so it, and, and 11 talks about conscious contact and 12 talks about practicing these principles in all my affairs. 10, 11, 12, if practiced as they are laid out in our book, 
keep me in the one place I could never be, the right here, right now. Because if I'm watching, if I'm connected, and if I'm practicing, I'm in the moment. And I don't have time. I, I'm not drifting away. I'm not in. I'm not time traveling either in the past or in the future. And I don't create these brainstorms that take me away from the moment. Because if I get caught up in that, you know, if I can get caught up in the tie deal for three or four days, plotting your death, right? I miss. I miss all the opportunities in front of me. I miss them all. And so, you know, how important it is for us is to stay connected in 10, 11, and 12, because it helps me stay awake and pay attention. So let's talk about that a little bit. I think we may have covered some of that uh, during your last episode, but I think it's really important. Um, And and that is conscious contact with God, right? So you're going to have people listening to this uh, who say, you know, my mind's racing all the time. I don't know how to meditate. I don't know how to slow down. I don't know how to get conscious contact with God. I know that you guys who have been sober for a while could do it, but I am not able to do that. So how do you, like in a real practical way, practice uh, prayer, meditation, and conscious contact with God? And, you know, that's a great because I'm a guy that came and, and we did kind of touch on this, but I'm a guy that when I came to AA, I'm a prayer. I mean, I'm from the South. My gosh, I mean, we pray all the time down here. So, <laughs> uh, But I don't meditate because I have an old idea about meditation and, uh, you know, a grasshopper, weed hopper, you know, grasshopper <laughs> from the Kung Fu, yeah. you know, snatches pebble from my hand, set in that lotus position. I mean, I have an old idea and I can't do that. So. One of the greatest things that happened to me was a guy I talked about contemplative meditation. And if you become aware, if you take 10 seconds and just look outside and focus on the beauty around you, you're in meditation. I mean, I don't have to go to a, a room and say it. I can. I don't have to. I can be in a moment and just stop. And just, you know, when I meditate, sometimes I go back to this little creek that I grew up on. And I just take myself back to that little creek standing on the banks, watching the water go by. And I can do that for 10 seconds and bring myself back to the now. And I don't get spun off. There's guys that I work with that are in that early part of sobriety, you know, maybe in They've they've taken the steps and, you know, they're two or three, four years sober. And they talk about, you know, talk to them about 10, 11, 12. They come back and they say to me, you know, I'm just really struggling. And so I ask them about meditation. They say, well, same thing I say. Well, you know, I really can't do that because they don't have an understanding of what it really is. And and it's really just a moment of where I can bring myself to the now. Bring myself to the now. And whatever that needs to look like, sometimes it's just focusing on something. You know, if I just look at the clock and focus it on just right here, look at a picture and see the beauty in the picture. It brings me back to the now. And I tell them, there's some books that I got early on, not conference approved, but outside spiritual resources that I tell them, say, look, why don't you give yourself five minutes a day? Just read a little pair, read a page, read a paragraph, a daily reader, just read it. And then just think about how that applies to your life. And if you can spend five minutes, that's five minutes more than you've been spending up to this point. So we're already 500% ahead of where we were. And so it's just that simple. And I want to make a big deal out of it because I think everything needs to be a big deal. Don M out of Kentucky always talks about, I want to make a big deal. I I want to be a big deal. 
And, you know, the when I can get out of the way and keep it simple, because Dr. Bob talked to Bill about that, you know, just don't louse this up. Keep it simple. Mm-hmm. When I can just come back and just be in the moment, man, what happens is my life gets better. And so what happens, these new guys are relatively new. They begin to do that and they begin, they call me up and say, man, I'm just, I've had this moment today. I've had this time today where nothing was happening. And and I just have this, something should be happening. I go, that's serenity. Yeah. That's what <laughs> happens when you get into 10, 11, and 12, you get peace. That's right. And I, and I think that's the whole deal here. Yeah. Peace. My buddy, my uh, friend, Buddy C, actually, who's been on this yeah. podcast several times, he says that, uh, Trying to meditate is meditating. Yeah. It's like trying to pray. Trying to pray is praying. <laughs> and what a gift, man. I don't have to do anything extraordinary. That's the trick. I don't have to do anything extraordinary. Right. Well, I think, you know, and I'm always, when I'm talking to somebody trying to figure out, you know, what's going to be the main theme of this and what am I going to entitle it? And I think I'm going to pick out something regarding awakening uh, because that's what you had this morning. Uh, That's what we've been talking about a little bit, uh, a a spiritual awakening. And and I like how you said earlier that it's like once you ring a bell, you can't unring it or there was something similar to that. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so let, so let's kind of put a bow on this. When you think about awakening in your life and your experience, strength and hope regarding that, where you were, what's happened and what you were like now in regards to awakening and what you see as some of the major milestones. Talk to me a little bit about that. I think, you know, when Lori, and you know, you, I had this awakening when I got sober that I see me for who I am. <clears throat> and then as I go through sobriety, you know, I begin to take ownership of my sobriety versus giving God the credit. So I have another major awakening is that I can't take credit for anything. This is not me doing anything. This is me, you know, playing the part. My sponsor today, Bob B out of St. Paul, Minnesota, he says, I'm the pipe, not the well. And so this second awakening is that suddenly I realize this is not me again. Again, this is not me. I'm just this pipe. And I think the biggest key for me in the awakening is, is my awareness of life today and, and my awareness of who's in front of me. And what is this? What is this? What am I supposed to give this person today? What am I supposed to share today with this person? And I'm going to tell you, What's happened for me is through my daily practice of 10, 11, and 12, having this awakening, I come across people in my work that are broken. I'm a bankruptcy lawyer. I keep I come across people who are broken, financially broken, and they're devastated. And they come into a crossroads of the toughest, one of the toughest days of their life. The toughest thing they ever have to do is pick up the phone and call. The second toughest thing is to get in the seat. And what happens is with my interaction with these people, I have this compassion and spiritual connection, even though they don't know anything about that. I know everything about bankruptcy. And I don't mean physical with an F bankruptcy. I mean bank bankruptcy with an S spiritual. And I have this compassion for them. And by the time they leave, what I've realized is through giving, I give them, start giving them AA principles and they don't even know it. Right. 
and I start talking spiritual values to them that they don't even see. And yet through that, I make a connection with them and they leave with the one thing that Don gave me when he came to me, hope. And I have this awakening that I I use those tools. And like Kathy says, AA is not my whole life, but because of AA, my life is whole. I'm able to take that and transcend it to my everyday life. And I'm aware of the benefits that people who don't even know get of that spiritual awakening all through the day. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing, my friend. Uh, I am so glad, so glad we were able to get together today and uh, record you for another episode. Uh, you're, you always uh, bring the heat or whatever you want to call it. I, I just, <laughs> I love it. I enjoy it. You know, uh, and, brother, and, I love you. And for me, I was not able to uh, uh, attend a meeting today. And it really kind of, it, it helps me just like you were talking about earlier to stay in the now when I'm listening to you and paying attention to you, as you can see here, I'm taking some notes. I'm trying to figure yep. out where to go. It, it helps me to get out of myself and it gives me a respite for my own little pea brain. And I, I appreciate that. So God uh, bless brother. That's wonderful. Thank you. All right. I'm going to read from page 164 of the big book. Beautiful. To close us out here. And it says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, I so much enjoyed that, um, and I, I can't wait for the listeners to hear this particular episode, my friend. Buddy, I love you. Thank you so much, John. Love you too, Cliff. As always, thank you so much, Cliff G, for your time, sharing your experience, strength, and hope. I so much enjoyed it. We're going to get Cliff back on for another episode soon, uh, so don't you worry about that, so you can hear more of his audio Gold. All right. Now, on, oh, by the way, if you enjoyed that episode, and who would not, please take time to pause your episode, excuse me, pause your device and share that episode with a friend or a family member. It may be just what they need today. We don't want you sharing your gossip, we don't want you sharing your toothbrush, but we would love. For you to share that episode with a friend or family member. Now, on to a little bit of a listener feedback. By the way, I do want to mention this again. As I have mentioned before, um, our friend of the show, Mike, uh, from the Arizona area, has volunteered to receive physical letters. Uh, is that what they're called? Yeah, letters, letters. Not, not emails, but letters for those who... Uh, are looking to write in, perhaps they don't have uh, access to email or whatever the case may be, but they do have access to the podcast. Uh, and that is happening out there in the world as from my understanding, especially with some of the inmates that listen. Uh, so if you want to write him uh, and uh, have him correspond with you, uh, he is at right to sober speak. And the address is 1962 East 
You can just abbreviate that E if you want. Apache Road, A-P-A-C-H-E. Oh, I said road. It's actually Boulevard. So 1962 East Apache Boulevard, P.O. Box 7925, Tempe, Arizona. That's T-E-M-P-E, Arizona, A-Z, 85281. Uh, And we appreciate Mike's service in that arena. All right, now under a little bit of listener feedback. Oh, this first piece of listener feedback is from our, it's a voicemail from our friend Doug S. And Doug S. Uh, is sending in a voicemail uh, and he is commenting on Lori G., who is the wife of Cliff G., who you just mentioned, or who you just who you just listened to on the podcast. So here is Doug's voicemail. Hey, John, love your podcast. I wanted to comment on Lori G episodes 299 and 300. And I'm so glad that you had two episodes with her back to back because her story was so impactful. I had never understood the Al-Anon program, the way that she was able to define it. And also she was able to define her sickness, her illness as someone who needed to fix everything. And the sunny side of helpfulness being um, the rosier or flip side of control. I've been told for so many years that I needed to go to Al-Anon, and I've always stated, you know, my parents were an alcoholic, but I grew up around such trauma and uh, arguing and the fighting. And when I heard Lori G discuss how she felt that she could have been a better mother by not fighting in front of her children and her acknowledging what that must have done to her children really resonated with me. And it also made me have so much respect for someone to be able to be that vulnerable. Thank you for the guests that you bring. Thank you so much, Doug, for sending that in. And uh, if you all have not listened to Lori's episode, you want to go back. It's episodes number 299 and episode number 300. Uh, She comes from the Al-Anon side and she does an absolute fantastic job. Now on to a little bit more listener feedback. Betty Joe writes in. That's a cool name, isn't it? Betty Joe. She says, good evening, John. Good evening, Betty Joe. I live in Northern Florida. I have almost 11 months sobriety at this time. And after a short, after a short relapse, your podcast was the first one I came up on almost three years ago. All of your speakers have been absolutely amazing. And I get a nugget of information from all of them, Betty Joe. Well, thank you, Betty Joe. I'm glad you're enjoying the pod and I'm glad you're back on track, as they said. I don't know if they say it, but I say that. <laughs> Oleg writes in and Oleg says, Hello, John M. My name is Oleg and I live in, and he's got the big British flag uh, uh, Union Jack uh, symbol there, in a town off the south coast of England called Worthing. I am five years and nine months sober. I'm working as a healthcare worker and originally from Latvia in Baltics. Latvia, I think that's where you know that that uh 
that show Taxi back in the, I don't know, I think it's the 90s or show, and they had the guy on there, Andy Kaufman. I think he was from Latvia, but I'm not completely positive. But anyway, uh, he was originally from Latvia in, in the Baltics. He says, I found your podcast during COVID as meetings were very few and Zoom meetings did not really touch me. So I put your podcast on while driving back and forth to work and I still do as my meeting between meetings. I'm glad that your podcast exists and I really love all your speakers. Last night I worked late and I was listening to podcast number 296 with Scott Redman, and I was laughing out loud as I could identify with him so much, and I remembered my drinking years so clearly. I just want to express my gratitude by donating. And I appreciate it. It's not necessary. As I tell all the people that donate, it's never expected, but always appreciated. And he says, as I used your services so much and never express gratitude. Well, that's enough for me just listening to it. And then he says, this week was hard. This week was a hard week for my sobriety. And I had a, a difficult work week related to an interview for a job of my dreams. But unfortunately, I did not get it. And I was so disappointed disappointed. Oh, Oleg. I, man, I've been there and done that. I so relate. Anyway, he says, I worked long shifts, not sifts. I'm glad I didn't say another word. So I could not get to a meeting and your podcast came in as a saver. Please keep in touch. I would like to widen my outreach within the fellowship and thank you for your good service. Uh, uh, Kind regards. Oleg O. So Oleg, well, you have just widened your circle by writing in. And if there are other people out there, especially if you're in on the south coast of England in a town called Worthing, uh, give me a uh, write to me, John, J-O-H-N at SoberSpeak.com, and I can get you in touch with Oleg. Thanks, Oleg. Um, uh, oh, we have a few here from the... La Instagram and uh, La Instagram says Dennis Dennis DMs on the gram and he says hi John M I am a frequent listener to the podcast I love it so much I've tried others but sober speak is the one for me thanks for doing what you do and Dennis you are the one for me too my friend Thanks for writing in. Jamie DMs on the Instagram and he says, loving the podcast. I'm up to episode number 55. I'm new listening to this sort of media. Thank you for the time and effort you put into them. Thursday will be four years for me, God willing. Well, Jamie, congratulations on the four years and thanks for listening to us. We appreciate it. And if you're on episode number 55, you got a few to go. Uh, Oliver DMs also on the NC says, Hey, John, Hey, do you know how you touch my heart and soul with your podcast? Thank you so much, Oliver. Well, Oliver, thank you for writing in and, uh, all you guys touch my heart and my soul as well. Um, like I said, I know I hardly ever get to meet any of you, um, but I feel connected. Nonetheless, uh, I hope you feel the same way. All right, everybody. That is another episode of 
Sober Speak for the week. Uh, we will have another episode next week, I am sure. But I always say I take this one week at a time. Never know if I'm going to make it back. I hope to. God bless you. Um, what do I always say here? Keep coming back. It works if you work it. And may God bless you and keep you until then. Be safe, everybody. Love you guys.